hope Santa brings everyone a nice peachy ass. I'm finally getting heat in my house, so that's, that's exciting. Good. You that's haven't good. had heat. Mm -mm. We've had heat in half the house. So what happened is we got the ship pit filled in. Then we got the ductwork removed. So then half of our house lost heat. So I've been wearing my winter coat like inside the entire time. Um, since the ductwork is removed, then we got the crawl space encapsulated. So it would no longer mold and get gross, especially during the summertime because it gets super humid and swampy in Charleston. And now we're getting a new furnace and ductwork. So therefore we'll have heat in the entire house. So nice. that entire like escapade, $25,000. No, thank you. <laughs> hey, you know what? My house doesn't collapse. I have heat and we didn't have to do a payment plan. So I'm blessed. I'm happy. It's all going to be good. And it means that, yes, I can't see it, but I can feel it. And I would pay 25 grand to have a nice warm house when it's below 30 because I'm a little bitch in the cold. Yeah, it's gotten cold real quick. I am too. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. But what's going on with you, Laura? Anything new? Nope. Like I said, I did my blood work today. I'm going to get nice. a test within the next couple of days. Your shit, you got, you got your shit kit in the mail? I ordered it. It hasn't come yet, but oh. and uh, you do your shit kit. a week from today, I'm going to Mexico. So nice. if I don't have fucked up right now, I'm going to probably in a week. <laughs> so That's, that's the way to look at that. Keeping it real. I love it. I love it. Dude, Meg, your fucking prep files from your figure days. Legit. I, I want to tell the podcast and I want to tell Laura. So before Meg and I like became best friends, like I like was obsessed with her. Like, you know, I viewed her as like a lion at a zoo, right? Like I was just in awe of her, right? Was so obsessed with her preps, her figure, everything, her shape, everything, right? And even you can ask Chuck, you can ask Eric, like, I would always be like, look at her, look at her. I want to be her when I grow up. Didn't know she was fucking younger than me, right? <laughs> and even he was like, she's like a force to be reckoned with. And then obviously she got her placement at Tampa Pro and we both were pissed. We were like, what the fuck? Like, me fuck too. It. Dude, we were so angry for you, right? So angry for you. And when I, I literally saved her, her prep, some of her prep file photos on my phone as like inspiration. And then we became best friends and I'm like, well, no, I don't long, I don't no longer view her as like a lion at a pet, at a zoo. I view her as like my, my cuddly <laughs> little house cat that I just love to hold and snuggle with. So like yeah. that's, that was how the saga continued of my fucking mega Santa Barbara, like <sighs> just fangirl. You're gonna make me cry. I'm all emotional lately. <laughs> Dude, legit. That is the fucking truth. Even Eric was like, you kind of have an unhealthy obsession with her. And I was like, but do you see her? Do you look Should at I come to your ratios? house next week? I don't know. Anymore. Dude, I know. <laughs> legit. Like, no, because then you'll see my shrine to you. And <laughs> honestly, I could see that. <laughs> yeah, I uh, what you didn't know is when I stayed with you, I actually collected some hair from your hairbrush and I have my little <laughs> Mega Santa Barbara shrine. And I have my little chip statue too, because I collected some fur from him. So I have my little shrine that I pray to for the games. Oh, ash. Fish for each to grow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
He loves the blanket. I don't know if you can see him, but I have one piece of furniture and it's him with his little blankie. He just loves it. So that's the only blanket I still have. I love it. I love it. Y'all, did y'all see Chuck? Did you see his transformation? Did you post it today? I I just posted it like 14 minutes ago. Let me see. Big boy hit 194. Thank God for Christmas cookies. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm super, super proud of him. Oh, yeah. Look at that. I wow. know. Some quads. Quads and, and shoulders. Arms. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm proud of him. Slender man no more. That's right. Road to 212. Traps, um, too. I know. <laughs> I know. So we're training, um, switching to an upper body training block because I, he wants to fill out upper a little bit more. And I was like, okay, well. Guess you get more training for your upper and you Sweet. get some So yeah, I'm very so, proud of that. Speaking of growing, I guess that's what we're talking about today is growing the booty cheeks, right? Growing that ass. Growing growing to ass. Yeah. I think honestly, we are we three are like, I don't want to say perfect for this topic, but yeah, perfect for this topic because yeah. one, we, we have a a former figure girly WPD whatever the fuck you want to label her as to wellness so not only did she have to like atrophy the upper body but she really had to focus on growing her butt right because mm-hmm. wellness is very glute dominant and then Laura fucking and oh oh no shit what what pro are you what OCB well WNBF at new turn I'm just I'm too dyslexic to remember that well a, nat- a natty pro and figure mm-hmm. again moving to wellness so we have two pro athletes moving from a bigger division to, I, I don't want to say smaller, but different proportions, right? Yeah. Obviously, figures X frame wellness is like V frame, like upside down <laughs> frame. And then we have me who like Tetris hips, like just skeletal on stage, needing to just obviously grow into bikini, but especially the glutes because they look like fucking UPS box. Like you Amazon ship it <laughs> and just get it the fuck out of there. Oh, Ash. But no, I definitely had the case of the figure pancake ass. You know, a lot of figure girls, like in that side pose, it's just like straight. It's like yep. a, just a straight line. What? I want to know why glutes are not taken into consideration for figure. I think that they should be. I think more figure girls are now training them, but I think just a lot of them... Like you, you don't really think about glutes. You think about that nice V taper, that X frame. Um, and I guess you think more of just quad hamstring and glutes get hit when they get hit, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause you always see that you always see like a very, a slender booty in the figure division. Yeah. So. I think Sid does a pretty good job though, of displaying like quality glutes. Like obviously she's not glute dominant, but you can tell that she she does her her glute work because it's yeah. not just like pancake. It's like she's got a little like va-va-voom down there. Yeah. And I think she's a really good person to talk about because mm-hmm. I like creep on pros like comment sections nonstop. Yeah. And a lot of the people kind of hate on the way that she trains. Um, and it's because like she trains so light and like with very little intensity nowadays because she doesn't have to. Yeah. She's built up her physique over like years and years of hard training and genetics, you know? And I think people have to take that into consideration. But yeah, 
I think genetically, she definitely has like a nice frame in the posterior. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And also, side note, did you know that that bitch was on Survivor? Really? Yeah. Before she, yeah, right? I, like, literally, I, I saw that thing. the other day and I was like, yeah, bitch was on Survivor. Like, I think the year before she went to the Olympia. Like, what That's a well-rounded, so like, resume and i was like obsessing over her her youtube because she has some like good nuggies on there from just like yeah. how she like kind of how she body builds and that's been entertaining during my fasted cardi party in the morning but yeah she was on survivor and like again just like her whole journey is just beautiful it is just so hilarious yeah yeah survivor season 32 yeah 32 that's how long and that was 10 years so they're yeah. on like four, good god that show needs to that show needs to go to bed. Um, it's funny that you say that because Laura Lee was just posting the other day about like her transitioning training and what she's doing and whatnot for that because like basically she needs to downsize. Mm -hmm. Same type of thing. Like you watch what she does for training and I'm like. Yeah. Yeah. So to be honest, if I ever get to that point in wellness, I'm just pulling the plug and going to WPD. I Dude, love that too much. Yeah. I'd fucking hate it. Dude, I fucking same. hate it because I love training. Oh my god! Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> if I couldn't train the way I wanted to, oh, I mean, going to wellness, it was hard for me. Like cutting out upper body, I tried yeah. to keep it in, and I was like, "Oh, it's shrinking." And I'm like, "No, bitch, it's not." And I eventually just hated upper body, so we're all good now. But mm -hmm. if I ever have to take a step back with legs. Yeah. I'm just moving up. I'm just adding an upper. Fuck it. <laughs> I don't blame you. Cause like, I mean, that's why we we love bodybuilding. It's the, the building of the body, you know? Exactly. Like to not being able to train and train hard and like get in, like get in those sets. And you know, like yeah. the grinder sets, like the <clears throat> DNR sets, like our episode, like that's part of the love and the joy of bodybuilding. So like if we couldn't do that, it would be like really, really difficult to switch the mentality mm -hmm. from like killing yourself to just like, oh, booty pump. Yeah, it's really want, uh, you started with like booty pump, right? Because all of us just wanted like pumped booties, and it's like you do the pump like volume work where it's like ten billion sets, and then oh my God. you're like, we we do, we do, we saw Dude. that. I like scrolled back, hella back on my Instagram, and I literally have a video of my glute day, <laughs> and <laughs> I'm literally doing like the uh shit the upside down the bozu ball there we go it was upside down i was doing jump squats like from side to side and then i had like a hip circle on my like knees and i was just doing like squats with that and then i was doing like i don't know they were like holding a weight like here on your chest like in front of you and doing like you're on your knees on the ground and you were just rising up and down i guess to hit my I don't know. I need to send it to you guys because it's hilarious. <laughs> it was just not. We like this. <laughs> it's embarrassing, but we live in and we learn. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Agreed. But why don't we talk about like giving some just like basic tips when it comes to growing the glutes? And I think before we mm -hmm. even start about like training and like exercises and frequency and intensity, we first should talk about nutrition because you can be pounding your ass literally all day, every day in the gym. But if you're not eating enough, 
it's gonna you're gonna have the pancake ass still right so mm-hmm. i really think it's important for women especially to stop trying to chronically diet because like that's all females really want to do is they just want to be skinny and thin and whatever but like if you want to grow muscle you need to be fueling your body properly so at least setting your calories to a tolerable maintenance level of at least 1900 or above or even preferably being in a surplus. Because again, if you're giving your body what it needs to grow, you're going to have the proper environment to actually add on quality muscle tissue. So I think it'd be good to talk about mm-hmm. nutrition and then we get into training. Yeah. I think a lot of people have it a little bit wrong on Instagram um, because they do want to chronically just always be dieting and looking their smallest, but they also want this fat ass. And I'm like, well, honey, that does not work that way. And then they're dieting and they're like wondering why they have that skinny fat look. And it's because you're not fueling your body appropriately, you know, and you're not actually putting on muscle. You're just pretty much stripping your body of glycogen. Like your glycogen is just depleted and you're just like a squishy mess pretty much. Um, but I think you put made a good point, like the maintenance or surplus, because some people like I sometimes get caught up in, you know, how much food I'm eating. And I'm like, oh, I could eat I could eat more. And I finally got more food. Yay. Um, you get a big but, dump or what? Like what happened with that? I don't know. <laughs> but I think we were just kind of waiting for my body to regulate post coming off a cycle, um, seeing where my weight kind of fluctuated then. And then, you know, there was a break in check-ins and then now we're in a good place to bump food up again. And then he said that we're going to probably approach like a growing phase in the new year and then talk about prep. So fingers crossed, but, um, oh, where was I going with that? Yeah. Threw me off. <laughs> Eating enough. Eating, Eating enough. enough. Yes. Yeah. Like some people, yeah, some people think that you need to be pushing your food up so, so high, but Mm -hmm. if you're not absorbing, like breaking down properly and absorbing these nutrients, you know, pushing your food to over 3k when you probably could grow on like less food, um, and keep digestion in a better spot is going to be better for you. Like I'm the type of person I put on muscle fairly easily. So I probably don't need that much food, but I know that, you know, I can tolerate more food and I can like drive food up higher, um, just from my size and digestions in a good spot. So I don't see the problem of not, Mm -hmm. but I think people do get caught up, especially with social media, like comparing your macros, like, Oh, I'm in the 300 club with carbs or 400. Oh my God. Yes. That used to be a huge thing back in the day, but I feel like it's coming back. Bro. I was one of those. Yeah. The braggers where it's like, I get this and it's like, you don't need to brag about it. Like that's what you need to grow holler. Mm -hmm. But like, it's just one of those things where you get so food focused and it's disordered tendencies of like, Oh, I get to eat all this food. But in in my first case, I was, you know, pushing 25,000 steps. So no shit. I needed a lot of food to grow because I was disordered as fuck with my meat. So I like that you added that. I think potentially Mm -hmm. if you are someone that gets like, really squirrely when it comes to having to eat more, especially like eat more constantly, it could be a really good strategy to just eat a little bit more on your glute training days only. Maybe that's where you start mentally to, you know, add an extra 20 upwards of 50 grams of carbs 
just on days that you train legs or train glutes. That could be a way that you kind of step into like carb cycling, calorie cycling, hedging into a surplus, whatever. That's not like so overwhelming where you feel like you're just going to blow up like a water buffalo, even though it Mm -hmm. won't happen. It's more of a, a mental thing than anything. Yeah. I think too, it's also important to remember that your maintenance is a range. It's not like a set number of calories, um, depending on how, you know, active you are at that current time in your life, the season where you live, um, you know, just little daily things that kind of, um, contribute to all of that is also going to depict like how much food you're going to necessarily need. That's why when a client says to me, Hey, like, you know, I want to go into a maintenance phase. I, I think that, you know, maybe they're ready to go on their own for a little bit, whatever. Where would you set my calories at? Like, what should my daily macros be? And it's kind of like, well, that kind of changes as you go. And then it also depends too, as to like, what are you trying to grow? Are you trying to go like all of the above? Mm-hmm. Agree, agree. And I think a good starting point is if you have like a decent amount of, of muscle mass, like, obviously this might not apply to you, but like for a little bikini girl or maybe like a smaller wellness girl, like starting to estimate your calories, your maintenance calories at like a 13 or a 14 multiplier times your body weight, that's not a bad place to start, yeah. right? Because like, I'd rather start on the lower end and then increase <clears throat> up as needed than overshoot it and get mentally inside your head where you're like, oh my God, all of this is fat, even though we know probably not. It's just a little bit of extra GI weight, butter weight, glycogen, stuff like that. But females, especially, I like to kind of like undershoot it and then slowly add because it's just mentally up here. It tends to be no pun intended, easier to digest. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I have, I have a few girls right now. Like we dieted in the summer because you know, like hot body in the summer or whatever, but now we're focusing on building and it can get to them mentally. And um, you know, I do have to like, make sure I reemphasize to them, like, we're not focused on the smallest number or the lightest number, sorry, on the scale right now, we're focusing on stacking up the pounds like in the gym, and we're getting stronger. And sometimes I'm just like, fuck the scale. Don't step on the scale. Let's focus on your performance, your energy levels, how much better you're sleeping now with more carbs. Um, So I think like if you are getting caught up and seeing your body weight go up, then just don't weigh in. And I think we've talked about that on the podcast before, but yeah, during a growth phase, like focus on your performance in the gym, like, Mm -hmm. and if you need some, if you want like some metric, obviously we do progress photos, but let's say you are in a glute phase and we'll talk about exercises next. Maybe you just measure the circumference of your glutes. Yeah. Yeah. Make sure Mm -hmm. the booty growing. (laughs) For sure. I measured Chip this morning. Yo. <laughs> yeah. He's 24 inches long, 18 inches tall. Let's wow. Big boy. He's a long boy. Big boy. Uh, Laura, <laughs> why don't we start with you though? What are your top three favorite exercises? And then we'll we'll do a, I guess not really a round table, a triangle table since there's triangle. three of us. But Laura, your top three favorite booty growing exercises. I would say a deficit reverse lunge, RDL, and hip thrust. Mm-hmm. 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 Meg. I I like a good deficit reverse lunge on that Smith machine. Um I also like deficit like front foot, I guess front foot elevated Bulgarian split squats on the Smith machine. Mm-hmm. And then also I like a good thrust, I do, but I will tell you my hips are bruised 
and they are hurting today. So, but I do when incorporated correctly, I think a thrust variation or a glute bridge variation is very nice. Um, if you're doing it properly, mm-hmm. which we'll I talk about. <laughs> are you using a, like a, not a hip thrust pad, but like the block pads. I feel like those are so much more beneficial than using a hip thrust pad for making that more comfortable. Yeah. I was going to try that out on the actual, on the Nautilus hip drive, like glute drive, yep. see if that helps because that's the machine that fucking kills my hips. I have uh, thrust variations twice a week. So when I do it on the Smith machine, no problem. But on that glute drive, fuck. Mm-hmm. Shit. Yeah, I hate the Nautilus glute drive. Like Oof. I get awful activation. Dude. It's just, I hate it. So I'll make, when you come and visit, I'll show you the Panada. Mm. It's like, it literally, you literally feel like you're on a No, roller yeah, I've tried that. It's like a, yeah, like a I roller coaster. It. You're just like- Literally, you like brace in and get yeah, ready. Yeah, I do like- Take off. Yeah, I love that. So for me, it's- I do like hip thrust variations. Those are my favorite because you're training the glute in the shortened position, which is important to have that variety. Mm-hmm. I like a, I call it a Meadows lunge because he's just who I learned it from. So if you go on John Meadows, YouTube, he has a, a gluten hamstring day that he's training with two other dudes actually, where he's on the Smith machine. And what he's doing is he has one hand. So let's say this is my left hand, left hand on the Smith machine bar. His right hand is on his right glute and he goes down and he twists slightly and he kind of sinks down into his hip and you get a really nice stretch in the length and position. Yeah. I connect so well with that. So I really like just a, a, that lunge variation, that Meadows lunge variation. And then I would say my other one, honestly, is either some type of Bulgarian split squat or some type of like glute need kickback because I think mm-hmm. that really helps develop all aspects of the glute. You have the shortened, the lengthened, and then also the upper glute, which hi, hello, I'm lacking. So for me in my next training phase, I have a lot of abduction movements to really make sure that my glutes don't just like look full from the bottom. They look full all over and you have that nice 3D dimension. Yeah. And I think that's actually where people get glute training wrong they're focusing so much on that big old booty muscle the glute max that they forget about glute med which is that upper glute um but then i think people think too hard about it because i got a few questions like what is the best exercise for your gluteus minimus and i'm like yo just fucking train man (laughs) But, but like glute med yeah you do have to isolate it with a lot of hip abduction movements which is going out from your midline um so the kickback, that's a good variation. I think some people do it a little bit wrong, per mm-hmm. se. Um, seated hip abductions are good, but I don't know. Do you guys have one of those more old school hip abduction machines where like your legs are lengthened out, like straight? No, I wish we did. Oh. We just have the the normal seated one where you can kind of like lean forward to mm-hmm. get glute max or lean back and get more of your upper glute mead. Yeah. We have this new black one where like you can like hold on to handles and like really spread your shit open like a fucking gynecologist office. It's yeah. the weirdest <laughs> thing. And then we have a seat, we have a it's not seated, but you're like standing. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to demo it. It's like the Instagram famous one. Like, in a fucking locked in position. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, do this. Okay. Yeah. So we have that. Um, I tried that the, the one. Yeah. What, Laura? 
I tried that in Florida, the standing abduction. I did not like it. I felt like I was like bobbing up and down. Like it just was. I actually yeah, I was like, didn't like it. It's it's a lot, but like especially if you had bands and you had that tension throughout. Yeah. I struggle with a lot of machines being so short. I felt like the way that like when it was fully extended, I still wasn't really getting enough extension on it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And maybe yeah. you just need a band to like increase that tension throughout the entire time. I see some of the shorter girls doing that. Well, they'll, well, they'll like add more resistance bands around the booty builder. So that way when they are like opening up their legs, being a naughty girl, like they have better connection. And sometimes you just have to play with like, how far you're squatted down that's just what i've seen them do but i like it now are you talking about the band around the machine around your back no not okay because i'm like what the fuck is that no 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 so like in the apparatus setup there's like Uh you add the weights right and that's how you can load it but also you they're able to add bands around the machine to increase tension so when you are abducted it's more difficult because you're stretching out the band, but if you're not, none of that bullshit around your knees or anything like that. No, it's around the machine. Gotcha. Okay. Some, some, some people get a little crazy with bands when it yeah, comes no. to abduction. Triple, quadruple, like they have them in five. <laughs> yeah. Like the Brett Contreras, like triple banded stuff. Like, yeah. I think that's something that we should talk about because how many of us did that? Oh yeah. I didn't. I don't have time for that. I did a shot for like everything first. Yeah, dude. Sometimes I put a band. Okay, well, I do like banded like leg press variations. Like I love that. Um, no, no, no. We're talking like banding the knees or during like hip thrusts. Yeah. So like I'll do that for warm ups, Mm -hmm. and even that pisses me off because the fucking band slides. It gets caught to my shoe. I'm looking like a dummy, Mm -hmm. and I'm just like, I'm done. I'm done with it. You know, I don't understand is when people use the bands that are almost like elastic band material. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm like, and they put it on their bare skin too. How are you doing this? Like, because I feel like as you move, it becomes more constricted and it like cuts into you. Mm -hmm. You know what I found? Hold on. I don't know when I bought this. I'm sure you guys have seen it. This thing called glutezilla have you ever heard of it no put your feet in those two little things right and then this goes on top of like your thighs and you do a thrust that way i don't know or and i are like totally (laughs) lost (laughs) i don't know man i found it i was like damn meg you got influence girl (laughs) that's hilarious yeah yeah maybe i'll try it out banding stuff i think it can be very beneficial but i feel like i'm like over band stuff but like at some point we probably all had difficulties connecting with our glutes or connecting with certain machines and so i'd like to first tell about my experience because again you Mm -hmm. could scroll back in my archives and see how fucked up my hips were my tetris hips i could not train glutes for for shit because of how imbalanced my hips were so a lot of mobility work went into that but something that really helped me was pressure points in my feet rather than just putting emphasis on my heel. I would place more of an emphasis on like my big toe and my little toe and the heel. And I would think about rooting my feet into the ground when it comes to doing things like squats and RDLs and even hip thrusts. So I would actually take a a ankle band or a booty band around my feet 
-hmm. So that way I would create an arch and have that pressure equally distributed. And that really helped with my glute connection while working on the strength of my inner thighs. And again, my upper glutes to stabilize my hips and get them much more even. So rather than them being like this, they're a little bit more even. So that way, when I do contract them, they're, they're together, not like looking like a cog. That's, that is smart though, because I think, um, that's one thing that a lot of people get wrong with like hip thrust is I always say like, think about like screwing your foot, like your heel and your, yeah, your heel into like the platform. Um, and that really helps kind of people feel that motion. Um, but for me, I do like to kind of have more of my weight on my heel for a lot of movements, but I think you do have to consider like your actual entire foot, mm -hmm. um, especially with like the high placing, like your feet high on the platform, like with, with leg press. Um, I feel like a lot of people kind of do all heels and then it just, they're not feeling their glutes engaged, but yeah, like that tripod stance, but yeah. you know, even pressure between the big toe, little toe and the heel, that's mm -hmm. really important to feel and take your fucking shoes off, man. Yes. Spread, spread your toes Toesies. or get Make wide shoes from yeah. Amazon. Like they're ugly mm. as fuck, but I don't care. They're, they exactly. was, that was the biggest thing for my glute training was being able to like have mobility in my toes. So that mm -hmm. way they weren't just like crammed <clears throat> in, they were able to spread. So I could root and like grab yeah. the ground and screw in. Yeah. And like, if you are training in new balance shoes or like those Instagram like chunky guys like okay I'll wear them sometimes if I'm doing like a kickback or something like that or a hamstring curl but the second I am in a heavy ass compound a lunge a squat a leg press those bitches come off you look at the bottom of my socks they are all black to hell my mom will comment on it and she's like wash your damn socks and I'm like there's no point mom like <laughs> the <laughs> shoes are coming off like I don't care um but yeah dude the shoes and that's the first thing I always correct on everybody I'm like take the damn shoes off <laughs> yep I love I think it it's underrated how much your feet actually affect your alignment your balance your connection um even the ability to like progress movements because I was someone that always had issues with like plantar fasciitis and all that type of stuff from all my long distance running days and I paid for it because I didn't address it and chiropractor Meg can probably attest to this and my entire right side which was my side of plantar fasciitis has had every injury you could fucking think of mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. your feet are the root of everything mm -hmm. I mean that's where my fucking yeah. started was breaking my foot in the seventh grade and I had a boot that was on my foot and it caused obviously a lot of like nerve issues and the way I grew was wrong, which is why my left leg is longer than my right leg, which again, perpetuated hip issues. So it starts in the, it starts in your feet and your toesies. Yeah, dude. Steps all the way up. Mm -hmm. Foot stuff. Foot stuff leads to butt stuff. Yes. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's the title. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Boot stuff leads to boot stuff. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I would say frequency is the next mm -hmm. thing to talk about because how many of us, let's be honest, we're like, oh, it's glute day again, every day, glute training, five, six days a week. And That's me right still now. Still had a pink, I guess. Yeah. 
But no, right. it's it's not me right now. Even though I think Laura, you and I have similar splits. Like it's like lower off, lower off, lower off. Like you're only turning lower. Um, it's very one person dependent. You know, I have a lot of muscle maturity from my women's physique figure days that I still need to downsize. So obviously I'm not touching the upper. Um, so it is just lower, lower, lower. But also I have to consider how I personally recover. Like yep. I slept like shit last night, but I can still go murder my session and recover well. And that's probably genetics. I'm not doubting it. I'm not on gear right now. So it's not that. Um, but like I just recover quickly. That's how it is. But some people you can't. So um, I do think that a good starting point is like a m- minimum of like two times per week hitting glutes. Um and definitely having like a day off in between. Like okay. I tried to get away with like back-to-back lower sessions. It doesn't work. I can't do it. I would literally die. Um, yeah. So you have to consider that too. Yeah, You need like, I would say at least 48 hours to recover mm-hmm. fully, whether you're enhanced or even natural, but especially yeah. if you're natural, <clears throat> like give yourself a solid 48 hours before you touch the same muscle groups again, just so that way it can recover because when it recover, it grows. Yeah. Um, for myself, I'll be in an enhanced growth phase soon. I'm going to actually up my training to five days a week where I am having three lower body sessions, two upper sessions, just to kind of completely round out my package pun fully intended, but I'm not training three lower days in a row. So it'll be like upper, lower rest. Then it will be like a lower, upper, lower session. And then I'll rest again. And then it kind of like rotate through that. So I am having like more frequency but I'm able to lower my volume each session. So that way my recovery doesn't tank because that's also important to making sure I'm not like doing a billion sets every time I touch glutes or legs, because I'm probably not going to be able to recover, even though I'm, I'm going to be on a cycle, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's a good point too, is to how frequent you're doing it to where you are in your journey. Like, are you in a contest prep? Is your food low? Are you, you know, in a a surplus and enhanced? Like that's going to factor into how often frequent and like beneficial the training will be. It's one thing to do it and like show up and go to the gym. Great. But like, are you getting anything out of that training? True. And even with my like only lower body training, it's not like I'm hitting glutes every single session. I think I hit glutes. I do quads and glutes one full lower, like a mainly like hamstring and quad focused, like full lower and then one full glute day. So I think I hit glutes like two to three times out of the four, four sessions I have. So it's not like I'm hitting glutes every single day. Yeah. And that's really good. And that's what you need, right? Mm -hmm. So now that we've kind of talked about like one, the diet two some exercise, some like troubleshooting for connection, why don't we talk about maybe order of exercise selection and how we like to program? So Laura, you can start. I think came out when I just wanted to speak, but that's okay. <laughs> I was like, yes. Um, so I'm trying to think, I do one day that's like solely glutes and that I usually start with um, cable kickbacks and cable abductions. And that I'll kind of go into things. I like to do isolation movements first for one from like an activation stance, um, injury prevention stance too. And then 
truthfully, just from my personal preference, I don't love doing those type of exercises. So if I save them till last, I probably won't do them. Um, that is just my personal preference. Um, same type of thing. Like if I'm doing, so I have a, a full leg day and I also have a day that I have like some glutes and quads. Both of those days I start with ab adductors because it's something that I feel I need to bring up. It helps with connection. It's not a solely glute focus. So I'll do like, you know, if it's the quad day, I'll do adductors and um, extensions as my starting exercises. But because it's like my my stepping stone to doing compound movements and having like the smaller areas also ready to go. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'm the exact same way. I'd like to program the smaller muscle groups or like more isolation first to get blood flowing in the tissue to make sure your hips are properly aligned, which helps prevent injury. And it helps to get you locked in because I used to do like the heavy compound lifts, like fresh off, like doing like my mobility exercises and the activation was shit. My performance was shit. But when I did things like cable kickbacks, seated abductions, glute med kickbacks, um, especially hamstring work as well, and did more like almost essentially pre-fatiguing, I was able to feel a connection much better in my performance on like six to eight rep range compounds, like pendulum squats or maybe a high volume leg press, I was able to just increase my performance and my connection because I was already warmed up mentally. I was locked in and I was ready to go. And I've noticed just like an increase in like also my motivation because I feel stronger and I feel more stable when I'm in those big girl exercises. And I'm just like, let's fucking go, man. Yeah. I'm the same way. And I made, I made this a post actually not too long ago. It's like, I, I did when I programmed my own stuff, I would like in the beginning, I would like throw my heavy hack squats first, or I don't know, my barbell squats, whatever I did back in the day first, because I was stronger. And if I did them after say like two to three accessory movements, I wouldn't be as strong. And I don't think that's the case, you know, as we progress in how experienced we are with training and how much like stronger we are, we our top sets are going to take us time to kind of build up to. So if we're starting fresh in this one exercise, um, and it's a big like meat and potatoes movement, you have to take more time to warm up. But if you're going into it with warmed up hamstrings or warmed up quads from an accessory movement, you're going to be able to, you know, work through your warmups more efficiently and you're not risking as much like injury, um, which I think, you know, back, I mean, I'm still in my twenties, but late twenties now, which is crazy to say, but, um, you know, <laughs> shut up, Laura. <laughs> um, but yeah, late twenties, like I'm starting to realize like, okay, I need to actually warm up. <laughs> I need to cool down. Um, like my, my joints are just not as resilient. Like I'm chronically walking around with tight ass hip flexors and it's painful sometimes to like walk and move. And I, if I skip out on mobility or skip out on my just warming up properly, I, I pay a price, but I think early in your lifting, you just, you're like, fuck it. I'm just going to do my meat and potato movement first because I'm strong and I can do more, but yeah, not always yeah, yeah, you can, but not for long. Yeah. 
No, I think it's really good to really put hamstring movements before even quadic movements, because again, most of us were on our ass all day. So we do have tight, i.e. weak hip flexors. Mm -hmm. So by working the hamstring first, yes, you are working, you know, you're warming up the knee joint, but you're also kind of realigning your your hips. Right. And that's how we can, again, get actual better performance out of the meat and potato movement because your hips are properly aligned. And I'm a big like advocate for that because of how fucked up my hips and my mobility actually was. So if you're someone that has no idea, like, you know, if they have good, healthy hips, I follow squat university. That's where I get all of my hip mobility, my shoulder mobility, warmups, and we should probably honestly just have a separate podcast on proper warm-ups and cool downs, but it is not enough just to walk on the treadmill or do the stair mill for five minutes as a warm-up. That's great to get the blood flowing, but you need to have healthy mobility, healthy joints. And it starts with doing those not so fun, like hip opener, shit like that, dynamic movements to get your body and your mind mentally locked in and ready to go. Yeah. Agreed. 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 Any any final thoughts for for glute growth? Since that's all we want for Christmas is a bigger ass. We truly do. Um, hmm. How I know we kind of talked about like how we program it, but when it comes to like the different categories of glute training, like you know your thrust variations, your squat movements, your hinge, and your like abduction. I know you guys said like you like to do a few of the isolation movements first, but like every time somebody hits glutes, would they have to do like a thrust, a squat, a hinge, or are there certain days where you can do more like, I don't know, pump work or something? Like I think that's where people get things kind of wrong. Yeah. I think it kind of just depends on your overall programming. So if I use my myself as a case example, I'm going to have a, a lower body hamstring and glute day, a lower body quad and glute day, and then a split day, which is pumping up the glutes and then doing more delt work. And so during the pump sets for my glutes, it will be higher rep ranges and more of the, like, I would say sissy type of like glute training. So like kickbacks, abductions, like back extensions, where it's not a lot mentally because you also have to think from a recoverability standpoint, but it is just getting that like that the burn, the the stress, because that like burn sensation, the the like you know, mechanical stress that we're talking about does add a important component to how the glutes grow and how muscles grow versus my other two days where I have much heavier sets we actually have that real mechanical tension and, you know, the hypertrophy benefits. So for me and how I'm structuring my next growth phase, it's again, a mixed bag, but detailed programming as to what I need. Mm -hmm. I think you can also cycle that if you still want to call it with how you're designing your programming, meaning not necessarily pump work, but um, variation in volume for like rep ranges, things like that still taking exercises to failure, but like, so this is kind of something that I'm doing with myself right now. Um, I had been doing a lot of like heavy sets that I was failing like six at most eight rep range. And granted it's helped with growth, but it's fucked my joints. Um, so now I'm spending probably six weeks or so trying to fail exercises anywhere from 10 to 15 reps, depending on the exercise mm -hmm. to 
take a little bit of tension, pressure, et cetera, off of my joints, um, still be able to progressive overload, but less taxing as far as physically. So I think that not maybe not necessarily pump work, but um, variation in volume through program design would be something that would be uh, beneficial for people too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do the same thing. Like I won't go below eight reps on anything. Um, and even when I do have like a very heavy movement, like take, um, I don't know, hack squats or something. I know it's not, it's not glutes. So let me think like hip thrusts. Um, I will still use a very heavy weight, but if I have like a rep range of 10 to 15, I'll make it so I'm failing closer to the top end of that rep range. Um, you never want to just stop at the lower number because you hit it and you feel your butt working. Like always push to that mechanical failure set point or whatever the fuck you want to call it. Like mechanical failure, absolute failure. I don't care. Like you just have to push yourself. And I think a lot of people are like, they see um, like a set of 20 reps and they're like, oh, I got to keep the weight light. It's like, no, no, put, put it on, (laughs) put on some weight and you can push yourself to 20 reps. Like I've done four plates per side on the hack squat for like over 22 reps. Like it sucks, but you can do it. It's just all in your mind. Yeah. I think Ronnie Coleman said it best. He's like, lift as heavy as possible for as many reps as possible. Mm-hmm. Like going, your yeah. rep range does not dictate your effort or intensity. It merely just dictates like a percentage of your one repetition max in terms of how heavy the weight is, but the weight should always be heavy and challenging for whatever rep range it is in, but that does not ever dictate your intensity or your effort. Like you should always be pushing yourself every single working set that you have, like end of discussion, period, exclamation point, tilde, like whatever. You may disagree with this and I'll I'll let it go after just curious to your thoughts as I don't program RIR with clients for the reason that most clients, even if I'm saying to like push themselves to like perceived failure, I think it takes a very, very skilled athlete to take themselves to like a one rep max to be able to do it properly. Unless it's someone that's like a functional case that like, I'm really just trying to pull back and like getting them in the gym and whatever is whatever, but I don't typically program that because I just don't feel like it's utilized correctly because most people stop with two reps left in the tank. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I program like, I used to be like, oh, RPE of this, RPE of that. But then I was like, hold up. These people don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But I think if you are a very advanced athlete, you train in person with your trainer and they can kind of monitor it better sure reps and reserve is fine I guess I don't know I don't like it um but like he said I think a lot of people think that their failure set is failing but really they have like probably five more fucking reps in the tank and they're like oh yeah I absolutely failed on this set and I'm like you didn't even struggle on that last rep it shot up like that to give out (laughs) exactly and I think the best way to learn how to mentally feel like what failure is, pick a very, very stable exercise like leg extensions or seated hamstring curl where you're just locked in. You're not going to hurt yourself. Pick a lighter weight. Do like a set of fucking 50 reps. I'm not talking like that's not how you should train all the time, but do not get off that machine until you hit those 50 reps. You know, you're going to feel like shit. 
maybe not all reps are going to be great, but you know that like once you hit like, you know, 15, 20 reps, you're like doubting yourself. You're like, there's fucking no way I can get to 50 reps. <laughs> And then you get to 30 to 40 and you're like, all right, all right, like 10 to 15 more. I got this. Once you complete the 50, you're like, oh, I'm actually a fucking bitch. So <laughs> it, it teaches you, you know, what failure is. And nobody really pushes themselves hard enough. I don't think. You should, you should start doing this with like onboarding new clients. It's like, what is it called the, when you're in a sorority? Um, oh, like hazing? 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 No, but, no like... <laughs> Megan, I like, like amazing. Tell them. Tell them. Like, what I'm thinking of initiation, like initiation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can't join the team until you can fail. There you go. In full transparency, I do have an RPE RIR scale within the athletes programming, and I'll tell them, show me what an RIR of one or zero looks like and feels like to you, which is why I'm big on the videos. I know we all are, and then mm -hmm. I'll be like, that's where that educational piece comes in. I was like, not even close, right? I teach them what that is. I don't care if it's gem pop or if they are an, a bodybuilder, right? Like I teach them and I show them because I firmly believe whether you're a gen pop that is wanting to grow muscle or a bodybuilder, you should always be pushing yourself to the next level because that's how you get better and grow as a person and just show yourself how capable you are, especially for my females who like are doing the three pound dumbbells, but yet their grocery bags or their purses are like at least 10, 15 pounds. So it's like, I will push them no matter what functional health, different story, but I like to have that educational piece because for me, I view it as empowerment. And when you're able to show an athlete just how strong they are, whether, like I said, they are a bodybuilder or they're just like a mom, they're like, fuck yeah, I can do it. So I like pulling that out of my athletes. Cause like, for me, that's so rewarding to see that mental aha moment. And like Meg said, we don't start with a fucking barbell deadlift. We're like, okay, in a leg curl. Yeah. where it's like yo go until you just can't not until you can't until your hamstrings are like yeah i'm out yeah and that's why i choose like a lot of very fixed environment things like i'm a big fan of the smith machine i never was i used to do barbell back squats all the time and then I was like, oh, why don't why why do i have a flat ass because i'm i'm not pushing to true failure i can't position like sit back in my hips enough I can't because you would literally fall over you can't do it so a smith machine is not like an easy way to train like it's hard still you can make the smith machine hard as fuck it makes me my like it makes me it's bitch every single like training session um and then I think a, another important thing is like I know this probably was geared around like a lot of females want to grow their glutes, but I think a lot of guys need to focus on building their glutes up too, because okay. I think a lot of them get injured because they're not training their glutes. Their quads are so much, they're more dominant and their hip flexors are so fucking tight. And that leads to a lot of their chronic lower body injuries. And that's what I saw a lot of, um, like when I was in chiropractic is that with men um yep but, yeah thrust is a must 